Portland, episode 26 of the podcast Oddly Adulting. First podcast of February 2020. And I'll start with apologizing for my voice sounding a little froggy today. There might be a cough here and there. Um, That is because I live in the South and our weather in the winter is incredibly unpredictable. We have had Today it was 65. The high was 65. Uh, Yesterday it was in the 40s. (laughs) Um, The day before that it was in the 50s. It has been, see, I'm self-fulfilling prophecy. I set myself up for that. I have my tea I'm going to be slurping on too over here. It has been a wild weather year so far. We even had a thunderstorm. In January. So, um, and supposedly we're going to have more thunderstorms this week. So I kept waiting this past week, um, for my voice to get better, to do an episode and then it never got better. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to work with it. I'm just going to go with it. So here we are. It's, um, going to be interesting to see how this works out because all of my family members are awake right now. (laughs) The dog has not yet figured out I'm in here, so let's just see how this goes. But I am coming to you live from the laundry room, and uh, this might be my, I'm kind of feeling like this might be my permanent home. I have considered going back into my husband's office now that his um, carport office is completely finished, but um, I kind of want to let that be his space. (laughs) He finally got it the way he likes it. He's been kind of like living in there. We've been in our house for five years and he's worked from home for, um, I think three or four out of those five years. And it has been a journey to get him to where he was happy with the whole setup. And so he's going to be getting his like piece de resistance of the office this week. He's getting a brand new 36 inch curved monitor. (laughs) Who even knew that such a thing existed? But, um, once he puts that thing in there, it's kind of going to take up the whole desk. And so, um, it was sort of a hassle for him to have to continue to like install my microphone every time I wanted to go out there. So I think I'm permanently going to be in the laundry room. So let's just settle in, get comfy and take care of some exciting business first. So the first thing I need to do is I need to say big, big thank you to my two producers that I picked up since the last episode. Now, y'all know you have heard me refer to um, the people that follow and listen to and donate to my podcast as producers. And I actually already knew about both of these ladies. They um, have been supporters from the beginning in the verbal um, and written format. I know at least one of them has left me a good review on iTunes. And in the last two weeks, which I am dreadfully bad about checking my PayPal account. (laughs) Um, So if you are, if you send me a donation, you might also want to send me an email so that I know to look at it. Um, And you would think that having the PayPal, like I get emails from PayPal when a donation comes in, but I also get emails from PayPal almost every day, you know, or every other day trying to sell me some like business format for PayPal. So I've kind of gone into like ignore mode about PayPal email. So that's totally my bad. But I wanted to go ahead and start by saying thank you, thank you, thank you. I have two producers I want to call out with thanks. And the first is Alex. Alex, thank you so much for the $20 
$20 made me holla and I wanted to um, read what you wrote because some people will get it and some won't. This is where I should have like <clears throat> had it queued up already. Okay. I'm pulling a John C. Okay. Uh, Alex's note says, I can't believe it's taken me this long to donate to my favorite podcast. Love getting to hear your stories and musings and J and K. I really appreciate you calling me this your favorite. You telling me, you calling me this? My goodness. Um, I can't talk today. I'm just all a Twitter, all a flutter at how excited I am. Um, thank you for calling this your favorite podcast. That really, um, that really makes me feel good. And I believe you because I know you're not a liar because I know you in person. You're not just a, a guy on the internet in his mom's basement. So thank you again for that. Please please accept my apology for how tardy my thanks is in going out. Also, my second producer who did not text me back in time to let me know whether or not she wanted to be credited as name or anonymous. So I'm going to give her anonymous credit to start. And if she wants me to make good on that, I will do that in the next episode. But my other um, donor sent $11.02 my way. And I'm really hoping that she tells me if this 1102 was some kind of a magic number for her or a secret number, or if it was just the amount of money she had sitting in her PayPal account. I don't care what the reason is. I want to know it so that I can properly extend my thanks. So thanks to the both of you. Um, in the last two weeks, you guys have donated enough to the podcast to keep the lights on for almost three months. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are the best. I hope that you will like today's episode, that it will continue um, to be content that you and other people find quality um, and worth in. And if you are somebody who thinks it's really cool to send people money, you can absolutely send me some. It's easy to find me. I'm at oddlyadulting.com. There's a big donate button on the website where it takes you straight to PayPal. And um, you can also find me on Instagram at oddlyadulting. And you can send me an email, oddlyadulting at gmail. And I'd be happy to provide you with a mailing address if you want to send me a check. You just let me know. But thank you again. Without having anyone to listen to this podcast, even though, you know, someday I think it would be a fun, like, you know, audio memory book for my kids to listen to. Um, there's literally no reason for me to do it unless people are listening, because otherwise that just makes me a crazy person talking into the void. So thank you for quantifying my worth and also for being so encouraging with your words. So, um, next thing I want to do is I want to give a, a update on the giveaway. Good news, bad news. Good news is odds are still really good that you could win because the bad news is only two people have responded to my giveaway. So the odds are 100% that those two people are going to be my winners if nobody else piles in on the bandwagon. So since January was the month that lasted like 79 days instead of just 31, and everybody's probably still catching up from the holidays or whatever. I know people have life going on. I'm going to extend the giveaway, and I'm going to say that you have until the middle of February. We're going to call it on Valentine's Day, okay? So before Valentine's Day, I want to hear from you in one of those formats that you can get in touch with me. You can either go find me on Instagram, leave a comment on a post, or direct message me, or send me an email, oddlyadulting at gmail, and tell me something odd about yourself, okay? And I will tell you that the odd things that these two people told me are pretty good contenders. So um, anybody else that wants to pile in on this potential giveaway, you really need to bring your A game. 
And just to remind you, or if you missed the last episode and you're joining me for the very first time on episode 26, which a lot of this isn't going to make sense if that's the case, but whatever. Um, the two winners of my oddly adulting, um, giveaway, my first giveaway is that you're going to, two winners are going to receive a hand painted piece of art from me. And one of them will get an odd bird and the other will get an odd duck. And I won't tell you what you're going to get. So it'll just be a surprise. All right. So that brings us to the meat here, the meat of the message or the meat of the, uh, episode. So I went to visit my sister and I, um, I spent four days having a little like baby staycation at her house. So you have heard me talking about the fact that my sister was expecting twins and then she ended up being hospitalized for six weeks before they were born. And then the twins, because they came so early, they needed to spend some time in the NICU. Well, they got sprung from the NICU on day 20 and um, got to come home. So my husband very tolerantly put up with the fact that I was basically like, bye, (laughs) I'm going to see my nieces. (laughs) And so I left on a Friday afternoon and I didn't come back until Tuesday night. And so I had this little four day staycation and it was so fun because it was, it gave me like a simultaneous transport, like it on the one hand transported me back in time to remembering what it was like to have a newborn. Of course, I've never had two newborns at one time. So that element was completely different, but it took me back to thinking about, oh my goodness, I can remember when my girls were tiny babies and those first few days that you're home with them. So it was, it, it enabled like a really fun trip down memory lane. And then it also provided me with So much perspective on the fact that I am so far out of the baby game. Like there are things that have completely changed about baby gear, baby rules. Like my oldest baby is 12. Okay. So it was a dozen years ago that I gave birth to her and my sister and I were comparing notes. I was like, well, what does your pediatrician say about this? What does your doctor say about that? What about this? What about that? And some of the recommendations are like, wildly different from 12 years ago to now. Some are not because some of them are like, you know, pieces of advice that stand the test of time. But um, it just gave me it gave me a lot of perspective into how different that life is when you have teeny tiny babies. Every single thing you do is a massive ordeal, just trying to figure out how to time everything. Like, how do I get myself ready? How do I get the baby ready? How do I make sure we get out of the house before we have like a hunger pang or uh, a dirty diaper or, you know, just whatever, all of that stuff. So, and then we sat and first of all, let me just, as a, as a little aside, it truly did feel like a staycation for me because of the fact that I wasn't taking care of any demanding people who could talk back. (laughs) Okay. Like it's not that babies aren't demanding. Babies are definitely demanding. They require all of your attention. You can't really multitask like while you're feeding a baby, you know, but they didn't mouth off or argue or complain about what I made for dinner or, um, procrastinate doing their chores and create a whole bunch of like stress and drama in the meantime. So I really basically loved the fact that I just got to hold the couch down with my sister for four days and we just tag teamed these little babies 
feeding them, changing them. We had a fun experience where I was like, let's bathe them. Wouldn't that be fun? And so we got all the stuff out to bathe them. And I was like, are you cool with reusing the bath water? Like, cause it seems like a lot of work to like, you know, these are things you never deal with when you have a singleton, when you only have one baby at a time, you don't think about like, oh man, to bathe both of them, I have to like fill the tub up, bathe them, then dump the whole thing out, fill the whole thing up again. And so I was like, let's just reuse the bath water. They're not really that dirty. Like this is just for fun. So first baby had her bath and she totally loved it. She was just like so chill and relaxed. She loved having the water poured over her head and all of that. So then we get second baby in there. She is not in the bath water, like five seconds and massive poo blowout. (laughs) It was so funny. I was like, how did such a tiny baby create such a huge mess? This baby only weighs like five pounds and it was massive. (laughs) So anyway, I don't remember why I went down that, uh, uh, road that what's the word rabbit trail. And so, um, Anyway, it gave me a lot of perspective. It made me think about the time that has gone by. And I don't know if y'all have noticed this or not, but there seems to be like a, uh, seems to be like, um, a buzzword, kind of like a, a buzzwordy sort of thing that everybody is very vocal nowadays about, um, wanting to live a life of purpose or like, um, you know, wanting to leave their mark on the world or wanting to make a difference or wanting to do things right. Or here's the biggest buzzwordiest one of all being present. Have y'all been hearing this as much as I've been hearing this? Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. Okay. That's my disclaimer. My disclaimer is like, I think it's excellent to live in the present, you know, especially I get so, I sound like such an old person when I'm like, look at all these people just on their phones. They're just sitting there looking at their phone instead of looking at the beautiful scenery, you know, or like we went on our, um, epic road trip this past August and went to all of these national parks and all of these, you know, national parks, state parks, places, all of this beautiful scenery, these landscapes we've never seen before. And like every single tourist trap was just packed with people doing selfies, you know? And I was like, can't we all just live in the moment? I mean, do you really, does a selfie really uh, capture the grandeur of the Badlands? I don't think so. But anyway, there's this uh, a little bit of like obsession with living in the moment or like, A more cliched way to say it might be the way that you hear like old ladies, you know, when they see you with your very young children after they've come over and said something like, you sure have your hands full, you know, or whatever, Um, whatever trite little judgy thing they say about the number of children in your basket. (laughs) The next thing they always say is they grow up so fast. You just have to cherish every moment. Oh, if I could do anything, I would go back. And, and, and that moment in time when this woman or whoever, it's mostly old women are saying this to you, you feel like pinching their head off because you're just like, are you kidding me? Do you see, do you see what we look like? Like, do you, surely you don't, surely you don't mean to tell me that you wish you could go back to the days when people would throw down over what shoes you made them wear to leave the house. Or like, you know, 
had a lovey that needed to come with them everywhere that you were constantly worried about losing because you knew that if that happened, your bedtime, you know, bedtime with that child was going to be a disaster for the rest of their life. <laughs> so you ha- you get these ladies or people, whoever, saying this stuff to you and you just look at them like, you must have dementia because it's not possible that you have forgotten how difficult some of these, some of these times are. Like, I do not want to cherish every moment, okay? Like, in these times, I do not want to cherish every moment. But the thing that really sparked my attention, or my, not my attention, my uh, my thought process on this, I've been ruminating on it for the last couple of days, um, but I started talking about it with, with my sister, was that um, I saw an article shared. Couldn't tell you who shared it. Couldn't tell you who wrote it. Couldn't tell you what, like, news outlet published it. No idea. Don't know if it's a blog BuzzFeed. I have no clue. But it was a, it was an, like an op-ed type thing. You know, it was a person, um, telling her opinion about how traumatizing it was for her when her little boy went from wearing little kid sizes to big kid sizes. And she was talking about how it was just so hard for her when she had to cross the aisle, you know, when like all the little boy clothes are over here and all the big boy clothes are over there. And that it was just like, she just felt like in that moment, the weight of time passing just felt crushing to her. And she was so disappointed and terrified at how quickly the years had passed and how it was such a hallmark moment in her parenting journey. And I was overwhelmed by her article, to be honest. I was like, wow, that's a lot of feelings to have about clothes. You know, like, I mean, you wouldn't not want your baby to be growing, right? Like when they're, when you have a kid, everybody is always like, well, how much did they grow? How much weight did they gain? How are they, are they nursing? Are they being bottle fed? Have you tried solids yet? Like there's this big obsession on feeding your kids so that they can grow. So it seems kind of like a strange sort of foreign concept to me, even having gone through, I mean, like I said, I have my oldest kid is 12. So clearly we've crossed the aisle. Like she actually wears women's clothes now. Um, that's how big she is. Um, I don't know. I didn't have that kind of a moment. I just sort of let the time pass, like time passed. That's what time is supposed to do. And, you know, I would have little, like, mostly I think it, I can remember most, the most stark contrast, I guess, would be every time you know, the two times I had a new baby and had like, so like when my oldest was two, I had my second baby and I remember, and she was still in diapers. My oldest was still in diapers when I had my second. And I can remember the first time I had to change both of their diapers, like pretty, pretty much at the same time and thinking, wow, that's a big butt on that two-year-old. Like why are two-year-olds butts so big? Why is she still wearing diapers? Like should, <laughs> should she be using the toilet with a butt that big now? Like, cause compared to my newborn's teeny weeny little booty, that two-year-old's butt was just monstrous. And I thought, man, it's really time to potty train her, you know, <laughs> but it didn't traumatize me, you know, to kind of like notice that she was growing older. So I was telling my sister, I kind of feel like in a way, okay, now on the one hand, like I said, there's nothing wrong with being present and this movement to sort of like stop being so distracted. Okay, I'm totally behind all of that. You know, like we don't really do devices in our family. 
Like we don't, the kids don't have devices that are their own. They have to borrow ours in order to, to use one. And so like, I'm all about us spending family time together and not just being distracted all the time. The kids not being plugged into, you know, an iPad or an iPhone. Like we don't really do movies in the car unless we're going on a long drive. Like I'm all about that. So being present together, this is a good thing. Okay. Being present in the moment. It's a good thing. Um, I'm just not sure that the health, that it's the healthiest thing to do to fixate on the passage of time as something that's like upsetting or traumatizing and, and try to prevent that, not prevent it from happening, but like trying to be present and cherish every moment is just impossible. It's just, it's just impossible. (laughs) Like it's not realistic. And I just don't think it's, I don't know if that's healthy. I really don't. And, and from experience, I can tell you that I don't want to cherish every moment. Okay. I have a long list of moments that I can pull from in my Rolodex, like memory files. Uh, there's a lot of moments that I don't want to cherish that I didn't want to cherish them in the, in the time. And I don't feel the need to cherish them now that they're past, but I did think that it might be kind of fun if we're thinking, you know, if I think of this podcast as a little bit of like an oral history, you know, that I get to leave for my kids someday, I've, I'm going to run through a few of the like non-cherishable moments (laughs) that I've experienced in my time as a parent. And I mean, there's, there's many, many, many of these, many, many, but I just took like five minutes and sat down and tried to just like let the the most, um, memorable ones come to the surface. Okay. So I'm going to give you, I didn't count them ahead of time. I guess I could have counted them, but I'm going to give you a list of the like top most memorable, uncherishable moments that I've experienced thus far in parenting. Okay. All right. Buckle up. I'm going to start with the very first night we brought our very first baby home from the hospital. I had the baby on, I think it was like a Thursday. They made me stay Thursday. Well, I had the baby at 1 a.m. Friday morning, technically. So they made me stay Friday night. Well, Saturday, I was like dying to get out of there. So we headed home, Had got the baby home, ended up that my mom... And his mom ended up at our house that night, too. So it was like a house full of people. And we were exhausted. I'd had the baby at 1 a.m. And then I was like, I had I um, had her naturally. I didn't have any drugs. Um, didn't have an epidural or anything. And so I was like jacked on hormones. I was wide awake um, all night. Did not sleep at all after she was born. And then the next day, you know, we had people coming to see us and we had nurses in and out. Like, so I didn't sleep all day. And then that night in the hospital, there's no such thing as good sleep in the hospital. So I hadn't rested. So we were exhausted. Okay. That was a very long lead up to say we were exhausted. So we got home and we were like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to, how are we going to do this thing? You know? And we're like, okay, well, we have the baby's room with the crib, but we also have our room with this bassinet. And then like, you know, some people co-sleep with their babies. Like, are we going to be those people? Are we going to co-sleep? I don't know. Like we, and we hadn't really decided we were just going to wing it. So we get tucked into bed and it's early. I'm exhausted. He's exhausted. Baby's 
chill. She's doing whatever we're doing. Our first baby was such a good baby. Oh my gosh. We totally had like the best deal with her. She started sleeping through the night at five weeks old and just was like, we were so prideful. We just thought, oh, we're so good at this. You know, (laughs) just like everybody thinks if they get lucky and they have a good baby the first time, that's what tricks you into having other babies. But anyway, so we all get tucked into bed and we decide we're going to try co-sleeping because, you know, we want to be crunchy parents. So, um, this is not going to sound safe at all. So I don't recommend this method. I don't endorse this method of co-sleeping. I think co-sleeping is fine if you want to co-sleep, um, but don't do it the way we did it. Okay. So, uh, we were both in bed and then we had, um, a body pillow that I had been using like all the way through pregnancy. And we thought, okay, well, it doesn't seem safe to just put the baby like on the mattress between us. Cause like, seems like she could get, you know, like we could roll over onto her or like bunched up in the covers or something. So we decided that it would be safest if we took this body pillow and put it between us. And then we like lay her on the pillow in between us. So she's kind of like elevated, you know, like not like down on our level, but like up on this pillow, kind of in between, you know, our heads. And... Like, we're all three out, asleep, Z's, okay? Sometime later, couldn't tell you how long had elapsed, I wake up because my husband is throwing all the covers off the bed, and he's going, he's, like, ripping through the covers, he's, and he's, like, throwing his pillows off the bed, and he's, and he's frantic, and he's like, I can't find her, I can't find her, I can't find her, and I'm going, what, what are you doing, what? you can't find who? And he's like, I can't find the baby. I can't find the baby. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't find the baby? He's like, I can't find the baby. And I'm like, stop, grab the flashlight. (laughs) So we had a flashlight on his bedside table because we thought, you know, if we woke up in the middle of the night and we wanted to look at her, like we could have a flashlight, (laughs) shine the flashlight on her face, make sure she's okay. Y'all, we were 25 when we had this baby. Okay. We were, (laughs) we were barely grownups. So he grabs a flashlight and he's like, and like, sure enough, she is not in the bed. She is not. And he's throwing the body pillow on the floor. You know, she's not on the floor. And I said, just, I don't know, look in the bassinet. Maybe one of us put her in the bassinet. And so he whips that flashlight over and there she is sleeping sound as can be in the bassinet. And meanwhile, both of us are like, oh. Oh my gosh. Like my adrenaline is just like, I am wide eyed and bushy tailed at this point. And I'm like, what happened? Did you, when did you put her in the bassinet? He's like, I didn't put her in the bassinet. And I was like, well, I didn't put her in the bassinet. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, no. And he's, I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, no. And so there's just this moment he goes, she is never getting in the bed with us again. And that was it. That was the end of co-sleeping for us. Uh, She got one nap in the bed with us. (laughs) And so uh, she slept in the bassinet that night. I think she slept in the bassinet the next night, but she would make all these funny little like she sounded like a puppy when she slept because she'd be like. (laughs) And so after two nights, we were like you're too loud. You're going in your own room. So we put her in her crib. She was good. She was good to go for the rest of her life. And she has always preferred to sleep by herself ever since then. She preferred it then and she prefers it now. And so, yeah. So like losing our baby on the first, on the first night we brought her home, that is not a moment I want to cherish. I don't want to go back and relive that moment. No, thank you. Um, same baby, 
just a couple months later, I think she was only four or five months old. Uh, we were home on, it was on the weekend. We were home on the weekend with her and we were just chilling, hanging out and watching TV. We watched a lot of Food Network back then. And I had just finished nursing and so I kind of had her up and I was sort of like, I'd sort of burped her already. So I was holding her facing me, you know, like we were face to face and I was like, oh, you know, baby, you're so cute, coochie coo, whatever. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she's like, and just starts like projectile vomiting. Just, I had never seen anything like it. I never heard anything like it. She had never done it like, I mean, it was nuts. And it goes in like a arc, like a fountain straight down my shirt. (laughs) It starts filling up my bra. And I'm just like, I clamp my arms down by my side because I can feel it like leaking out the sides of my bra. It's like going down. And I'm like, ah, help. <laughs> so my husband comes running. He's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, she's puking. I don't know. She's just like, it's, a, it's in my shirt. It's in my shirt. And he's like, uh, 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 what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, just help me get in the shower. <laughs> and so I just like, Held her out in front of me like she was some kind of monster baby. And had my still had my arms clamped down at my side because I was trying to keep the puke like contained in my shirt and not let it go wherever it was gonna go. And we just like walk down the hall really fast. He takes us right into the bathroom. I step into the shower, fully clothed. She's fully clothed, and he turns the shower on. And I have to like take a full I it was a whole it was like a whole hose off situation. Like if I had been a dog, he would have just taken me out back and hit me with the water hose. That's how much of a <laughs> situation it was. So like and I'm pretty puke phobic as a general rule. Like this was not baby spit up, this was projectile vomit. It was so gross. Um she looked Poor thing. She was so puny for two days. She probably, I think later we figured out she probably had something like rotavirus uh, because it was just like, it was next level. It was not, it was not spit up. Okay. Oh, there's a knock at the door. Who is it? Hey, Mama. Hey, you. What you need? I'll be home making some oatmeal. For you? Yeah. Okay. I am going to make dinner. I'm just waiting for the others to come home. Okay. I'm as hungry. Okay. You can make some oatmeal. Be careful with the hot water. Okay. That was my baby. She making some oatmeal. All right. So speaking of puke, the puke thing never ends. My 10 year old was up in the middle of the night puking last night. So it's great. It's just great. All right. So, you know, against our better judgment, um, we decided to have another baby. (laughs) Two years later, less than two years later, I was pregnant. I think, uh, let me see if I can do the math. Let's see. I think, uh, I think my oldest was like 14 months old when I got pregnant with my second and I ended up having the same due date with my second baby. I ended up giving birth on the same day as my first baby. So I have birthday twins that are exactly two years apart. So that was a whole situation like the amount of, of work that you think a two-year-old is, you can't even imagine what happens when you have a two-year-old and a zero-year-old. Are you looking for oatmeal? She's back. I don't have any. Oh, did sister eat the rest of it? Are you yeah. sure? The box is empty? Yeah, I looked in the box. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Didn't you just eat a honey and oat bar? You probably don't need oatmeal after you just ate honey and oat bar. Why don't you go eat a, a beef stick? I don't like beef sticks. Well, that's okay. You can still eat one. I don't like them. Okay. Well, you're going to have to go find something because I can't I can't stop what I'm doing right now. This is a live podcast. Okay. Bye. Love you. So anyway, <clears throat> we had another baby. And this baby, rather than being like the first baby and being a terrible, like, co-sleeper and being kind of a touch-me-not and all this stuff, this baby was totally opposite. She, she was a snuggle bug from the get-go. And so she ended up in our bed a lot. So we did actually, like, we did actually co-sleep with her for, like, four months. We never lost her. Okay. We also did the unsafe and not recommended method of putting her on a pillow in between us. Okay. So, like I said, I don't recommend this. Don't do it. But that is what we did. But she uh, was, because we were that, like, two-year-old and newborn level tired, this poor baby (laughs) had some funny things happen to her. Um. There was the first time that, like, I realized, oh, gosh, this is not, like, I have to really be thinking about safety now, you know. Um, I had the newborn in the bouncer, little bouncy seat, and she wasn't strapped in because she was a newborn. Like, where was she going to go? She can't go anywhere. So I just needed to go to the bathroom. So I, two-year-old was playing, like, totally minding her own business, Newborn's in the bouncy seat, not strapped in, because I just set her down. I literally was like, I need to go to the bathroom. Set her down in the bouncy seat, went to the bathroom. I'm not gone. I mean, I'm not even gone 90 seconds. I come back, and I, I enter the living room just in time to see the two-year-old walking across the floor <laughs> with baby sister. She's hooked baby sister under the armpits and is holding her out with st- <laughs> straight arms in front of her like a little rag doll. And, and I like, in that moment, thankfully I was smart enough to like stifle a scream because if I had screamed, I'm sure she would have just dropped her. I'm like, you know, stifle the, literally clap my hand over my mouth and watch as she makes it all the way across the room and lays baby sister down so sweetly and so gently into her pottery barn, my first anywhere chair. And then I gasp. And she whips around and looks at me. She's like, I just, I just wanted to play with my sister. I was just bringing her over to see my toys. And I was like, never pick your sister up again. Oh my goodness. It was so scary. I thought, what in the world would have possessed her to pick her sister up? And then I was like, what in the world possessed me to leave a baby not strapped in? Like not, that's not safe. That was not safe. What was I? I should have brought the baby with me. I don't know. I don't know y'all. It's all a learning curve and you're so sleep deprived. There's just no, there's no logic to any of it. So then I had to like be really careful. So I was like, okay. And so I asked my best friend who had already had a couple kids by then. She was like way more, uh, senior on the mothering scale than me. And I was like, what do I do about this? And she's like, oh, this one's easy. Just set your pack and play up in the living room and then you have a safe drop zone. You can put the baby in the pack and play and two-year-old can't get to it. The only thing she can do is like throw stuff in there at the baby, which she'll probably try at some point, but it's better than being able to carry her around. I'm like, oh, excellent point. And now here's my dog. Come on. Get in your house. 
don't want you to stand on the cord and make the light go on and off. Get in your house. No, get in your house. There, go get in your house. Just get cozy. My dog is hibernating. She, she doesn't care that it's 65 degrees outside. She knows it's supposed to be winter and she's just hibernating all the time now. Okay, so same baby, different story. Um, it was like very early in the morning. Uh, she woke up. She was on a pretty good, like, she would eat every three or four hours. She was really good. And she was a speed nurser. She would nurse in like five minutes and then she'd be back out asleep. And so I would like pass out back asleep. But what we always did, what my husband did with all of our babies, which was so great. And it's the the thing that I tell him, I'm like, if you want to help another dude be set up for success, you need to tell him to do what you did, which is that every time that baby was up in the middle of the night, he got up took the baby, changed baby's diaper, brought baby to me so I could feed her. And then he could pass out back asleep. Like he has that man thing where he can just fall asleep like this. So he was up with me every single time the baby was up, but he didn't have to stay up. He just had to take the baby, change diaper, bring baby back to me. So it was early one morning, the sun's coming up and I'm laying there and she's kind of stirring a little bit. So I'm like, okay, we'll go ahead and like wake up for the day, you know, and so I pull her over to me because remember, we're, this was the baby we did co-sleep with. So I pull her over to me and I sit up and get my pillows all adjusted and, and get her set up. And so she starts nursing. And so I'm, I'm cradling her and I love to do like the little booty pat to kind of, I just, I, I just like to pat baby booties. They're just so cute. They're so like perfect little, just, they just fit in your hand. It's so cute. And that little sound when your hand hits the diaper, y'all know what I'm talking about. So I'm doing the booty pat and I'm kind of still trying to wake up for the day. And I'm like, pat, 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 something doesn't feel right. I'm like, what, what is going on here? And so I'm like, pat. And I realize this booty seems awfully like not padded. Like what, what, what do we got going on here? And so I lift up her little gown one of those little newborn gowns that don't have the feet, you know, I lift her little gown up. And at the same time that I see her bare booty and the cold morning air hits her bare booty, she pees all over me. And I'm like, what in the world? Why is my baby not wearing a diaper? (laughs) So apparently that, that, last wake up of the night, like the middle of the night exhaustion factor kicked in and my husband took the baby for a diaper change. Definitely took the dirty diaper off of her, but did not put a clean one back on. (laughs) She managed to stay dry all night until I, until I disturbed the warm, fresh woken booty and with the cold morning air. And then she peed all over me. This was the same baby that on some other middle of the night changing occasion, somehow a dirty diaper got lodged down at the foot of our bed and then the bed got made over it. And we didn't find the dirty diaper until I don't know how long later, but it was ripe when we found it. So ripe. Ew. So those are, you know, diaper. I don't miss diapers at all. Not a, not even a little. I don't cherish that moment. Of the diaper. Um, there's two other ones I want to tell y'all because they really rank large in my mind. And both of them happened about the time that, um, 
both of them happened about this the same time. Like I want to say my youngest was about two. So they would be like four and two. So, um, I don't know if y'all remember this fad or not, but several years ago. So let's, let's work under the assumption that my oldest was four. So this was eight years ago, eight years ago, grocery stores started selling balloons that looked like animals and had feet so that they would stay like anchored to the ground. So you'd have this like little creepy balloon animal sort of hover floating, walking around your house. And they had like all the barnyard animals. They had a dog, a pony, a pig. I mean, we had one of everything because at that point in time, my mom worked at Ingalls. Wasn't that convenient? She worked at a grocery store and they had all the animals and they'd get new ones every week and all they were so cute. And so she was bringing home these animal balloon, balloon animal things. And of course, my four and two-year-old loved them. Like, what kid doesn't love a balloon? And what kid wouldn't love a balloon that's an animal and has little feet that makes it stay, like, at your level, right? Okay, so they would, like, tie strings to them and, you know, walk them around the house. They'd get them all together. They'd play games with them. They'd set them all up and, like, read them a book. I mean, you would think this would be one of those memories that I would want to cherish because of how how sweet it sounds. However... (laughs) like all balloons, eventually they start to lose their helium. And they don't lose it all at once, like overnight, where you can be like, oh, this balloon's done. Okay, say bye-bye to Mr. Balloon. Like, no, they have to die a very slow balloon death, stretched out over several days, right? And the children are attached to them, and they don't want Mr. Balloon Animal to say bye. They want to keep playing with them. But it starts to be a nuisance. Well... The way that we had our furniture set up, we had that like some space behind one of the couches. It was sort of like a kind of like I had tried to create like a faux entryway. And so um, and we're in the middle of the balloon animal collecting phase. They've, they're all like half blown up at this point because the helium has been leaking out of them. And I'm in the I have a four year old and a two year old state of mind where like I'm just kind of over it. <laughs> but I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to traumatize my children, you know, by making them get rid of their balloon animals, their beloved balloon animals. But something in me like snapped one day. Okay. I'm not proud of it. This is not a moment I want to, ch- a moment I want to cherish. I was sitting on the couch, probably trying to drink some coffee, probably trying to have a moment of peace or relax or something. And out of the corner of my eye, I see what I think is like a mouse or something or like a huge spider. I don't know what I thought it was. An intruder? I don't know what I thought it was. All I know is that I saw something moving in the corner of my eye and could not immediately identify what it was. And so my reaction was panic. Like, (gasps) what's in my house? So I whip around and I see that this creepy half deflated pony balloon is basically like walking itself because it has caught a breeze from the fan. Okay. And so I jump up off the couch and I'm like, that's it. I'm done with this. I can't take it anymore. These balloon animals have got to go. And I grab the pony balloon up in my fist and the kids are like, no, no, mommy, no, no. We love that balloon. Please no. And I'm like, I can't take it anymore. And I walk into the kitchen and I grab a steak knife out of the knife block and I I murdered the balloon pony animal. 
I murdered it right in front of my children. I am not, I am not kidding. I wish this was fake. I wish this was not a real story. And of course they both are like, and then they're crying and I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened. Oh, I'm really sorry. I'll get you another one. Ugh, why did I say that? I'm not, I'm not going to get you another one, but we still have others. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I finally get them all calmed down. And my two-year-old comes over and she takes me by the face and she goes, my, my not mad at you, mommy, my sorry. And I was like, oh, now I feel terrible. (laughs) I committed balloon murder in front of you and you're telling me my sorry, my sorry, mommy, my forgive you. Oh, it was so sad. And so desperate a moment. Like, that's why I say I would not go back to those days. Like, what kind of a monster was I that I <laughs> that I murdered their balloon in front of them? Oh, it's terrible to think about now. But really, it was just so hard, you know? In those days, it just felt so hard. It was so hard to keep up the mental resolve every day. And there's one last little one I want to tell you about. And this is probably the moment that... Um, I should have known like that this was going to be my child that we were constantly going to be going to the doctor for. (laughs) This should have been a tip off because like only one of my kids really ever goes to the doctor on a regular basis. In fact, I just had one kid. I took her to the pediatrician last week because she's had this sort of lingering cough, which she said, I think she just has a cold. She's probably just had a couple of colds in a row. And anyway, they hadn't even seen her. They had not seen her in two years. They thought that like we changed practices or something. They had to reactivate her file in order for me to get seen by the doctor. So anyway, two of my kids almost never go to the doctor, but that middle girl, that middle girl, she's a mess. She is, we just bless that mess. And on this one particular day, I had a friend over, a friend I hadn't seen in a long time, one of my college friends. She was there visiting with her sweet little baby. And her baby obviously wasn't big enough to play with my kids. But so I sent my kids downstairs to play in their playroom, which they did every day for hours, unsupervised. I didn't even have a, I wasn't even a good parent and put like a camera monitor down there or anything. I just let them go down there. I figured we had made it safe. You know, everything was anchored. There wasn't anything they could get a hold of that would be dangerous. And so they played in their playroom all the time. Loved it. So I'm upstairs enjoying time with my friend. And all of a sudden I hear, mommy, 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 mommy. And my oldest one is just screaming her full head off. And so I come running down there and I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she's like, my sister put a beat up her nose. And I'm like, what? And so I'm looking at the two-year-old and she's looking at me and she's like, got these really big eyes. And she's like, uh-huh. Like, and I go, did you put a beat up your nose? And she's like, I, I think so. And I'm like, what? What kind of a bead? Where did you get a bead? What are you talking about? Guys, I still to this day, I don't even know where they got this alleged bead. But they had a couple of them like they had, you know, stolen them or squirreled them away from somewhere. I don't know. I don't know where they got them, but they had those. They're called pony beads. So it's not as little as a perler bead, but it's like, you know, not the size of something that you would think a kid would think to put up their nose. Okay. It's like sizable compared to a kid's nose. And so I'm just going back and forth, back and forth. Did she put the beat up her nose? Did you put a beat up your nose? And they're both going, yeah, she did. She put it, it's in my nose. And she's like, and I could still feel it. And I'm going, oh my goodness. 
now what? So I go back upstairs and my friend's like, is everything okay? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Mm, Both my kids are saying that the little one put a beat up her nose, but I can't see it. Like she says it's in there, but I can't see it or anything. She's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Like, what should I do? And she's like, I don't know. Maybe you need to take her to the pediatrician or something. Maybe they can like look in there with their light and pull it out or something. So to make a long story short, I had to cut my time with my afternoon with my friend short. I had to do the walk of shame with my two-year-old to the pediatrician. And they looked and they looked and they looked and they looked and they could not see a bead, but she maintained then and to this day in 2020, if you ask her, she's now 10. If you ask her, is there still a bead in your nose? She says, yes, she is fairly sure that she shoved that bead up so far where the sun don't shine. And she's, she swears it's still in there. And the only, they said the only way we would know we would be able to tell is we'd have to do an MRI or a CAT scan of her head to be able to see it because it's plastic. It's a plastic bead. It won't show up on x-ray. Like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) So we did not pursue treatment because they said, as long as it's okay, they said the one thing you can do, and this, if you don't have children yet, this will stop you in your tracks. You will rethink ever considering having children. They said, Here's what you can do. Take her home, have her lie down on the bed on her back, plug her nostril that does not have the bead in it, okay? Plug that with your finger. Then make, so you're leaving the nostril open that has the bead in it. It said plug plug the, the non-bead nostril with your finger, leave the other nostril open, then have her open her mouth, And then cover her mouth with your mouth like you're going to do CPR and blow really hard like (sighs) into her mouth. And if there is a bead in there and if it is in the in the air, like in the passages, you blow if you blow forcefully enough into her mouth, it should shoot the bead out out her nostril. (laughs) I'm not lying, y'all. We did this. Me and my husband both, we took turns. Like, we both did it two or three times, just praying that that bead would come flying out. It didn't. It's not an experience I'm planning on cherishing. I don't want to repeat that on any child of mine or anybody else's child. Don't bring me your child if you if they have some foreign object in your nose and say, I heard that you know what to do in this situation. I ain't doing it, okay? I'm not going to cherish every moment. I'm just not because it's not possible. There are so many things that are going to happen over the course of your tenure as a parent. You know, it takes 18 years to grow them, but you're not done raising them at 18. You get to go all the way into adulthood with these jokers. And there are going to be so many times that you do not want to cherish what is happening. So this is my message, okay? Take it from an old, crusty mom such as myself. I don't even have any like kids that are really, you know, they say little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Like I'm only now entering the big kid phase. Okay. I still have so many years of parenting left, but I can, there's one thing I'm absolutely sure of. There are going to be plenty of moments that I do not want to cherish. And so instead of keeping all of this pressure on myself about 
cherishing every moment when you're in the middle of like sleep deprivation. I mean, y'all, there is a reason that they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture. It's because it will make you crazy. (laughs) It is not possible to cherish sleep deprivation or the days that follow it. Really, I would love to know the superhuman person that can do that. So rather than heaping all of these unnecessary expectations on myself about making every day count and cherish every moment and be present and all this stuff. That just feels like so much pressure. I'm, I am just for me going to resolve that I'm just going to do the best I can. I'm going to get through each day as best as I can. Some days will be more successful than others. Some days will be a big fat fail. Okay. But that's okay. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like dread the passing of time because the passing of time with children is so sweet and cool and neat. And you get to see them go from a little helpless, little squirmy worm of a baby to a person, you know, like my 12 year old is, is such a person now. And it's so cool to get to know her and get to hear like, what does she think about things? Or what does she, what is she interested in? What does she worry about? What does she want to do, you know, with her life, that kind of stuff. Like, I just don't, I don't want to waste any time being sad about the passage of time while I'm in the middle of it. Because truly that, that is, it's a, it's just a, it's just a gift to even be able to get to do it. You know, it really is. And so I, I, I don't want to lose any sleep about the fact that their baby days are over. I lost enough sleep during their baby days. (laughs) That's how I feel about that. I just want to be, I just want to continue to be like excited, looking forward to the future. You know, the future still holds lots of incredible fun times making memories with them. And no, they're not going to be small forever, but it's not, they're not supposed to be. They're not designed to be little forever. Nobody would have the stamina to parent children if raising them out of like infancy and childhood took twice as long as it already does. Like it's already so tiring and so taxing. Like, so I just, I don't think there's anything wrong with the be present. Yes. Hey, did you see that picture that, um, daddy sent you that of the, um, big Calico Critter house? Yes, I did. I did. It's huge, right? Uh-huh. It is huge. Okay. Let me, we'll talk about that later. I need two more minutes. Love you. Bye. Uh, her birthday is coming up and she is campaigning really hard. She wants Calico Critters, which is the last thing I need is more tiny little things all over my house. But anyway, I'm just going to cherish every moment, right? No, I'm not going to cherish every moment, but there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. I can still look back fondly on the times that are already gone and not have to be all up in my feelings about the times that we're moving into. I'm just going to try and enjoy it and by enjoying it, not cherish every moment. So you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I'd love to hear them. You know how to get in touch with me. Um, you can get me at oddlyadulting at Gmail. You can find me on Instagram at oddlyadulting. <coughs> you can uh, maybe comment on the website. I'm not sure. I keep saying that I'm going to check and see whether comments are working, but maybe I'll actually do that this time. And if you have tuned in prior to now and made it all the way to the end of an episode, you know what I'm going to say. And here it comes after I take a sip of this tea because my throat is really dry. 
All right, y'all. I love you. And Jesus says too. Bye. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Winner, winner.